The content discussed in the Left Behind series and therefore this podcast includes emotional trauma, human suffering, extreme violence, gore, as well as hurtful caricatures and stereotypes of marginalized groups, and is in no way reflective of the host's personal views or beliefs. But we beeped out the cuss words in case you want to listen in front of your mom. Left Behind is a multimedia franchise that started with a series of 16 best-selling religious novels by Tim LaHaye and Jerry B.J. by Tim LaHaye and The future has come to pass. Hello, and we're back. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of I Survived the Rapture. We're that podcast that still continues to slog our way through the Left Behind series so that all you guys out there don't have to. I'm your lapsed evangelical Shane Bazell. And I'm your ecumenical fanboy Gavin Russell. Join with us today our special guest, the specter that lives in this copy of Lynn Behind. <laughs> Give it up for Linda. Oh, God. Linda. Did Linda do a lot of annotations this Linda, time? Linda. Linda's still talking. Oh, she's uh, helping us out? Yeah, she's still helping us out. <laughs> We're back after a longer than expected kind of holiday break, um, but we're glad to be here. Probably won't be by the time we get done with this part. Oh, God. So we're back into desecration. We're starting out with chapter eight. How'd you feel about this part so far? Okay, it was a bit, um, at parts I was really into it, and again, I'm like, okay, you know what? Third time's the charm reading this section. I can find some enjoyment in it, but other times it's like, oh my god, we're, we're just hitting, like, you know, the same beats as always. There's no new content. It's just, you know, same shit, different day. Yeah, that was actually something that hit me multiple times, and I have it written in my notes. So we'll talk about that as we go through. But I was bored for a lot of this. I actually found myself being, not for the first time during these books, but definitely the most intensely that I have ever felt it just bored mm-hmm. like i wanted the movie to be over yeah and it's not because we're only making it two-thirds of the way through here but let's go ahead and start with chapter eight Alrighty, righty let's go we are getting toward the actual act of desecration pretty soon so buck and Hyam are headed up toward the temple as the media is starting to set up so the triumphal entry we remember from last time already took place Um, Nikolai is ridden in on the pig. He killed Hattie. He is making his way toward the Temple Mount during that procession, the mockery of Jesus' triumphal entry. Mm -hmm. Hyam is in full-on witness mode now. Right. So you had kind of predicted that the duo of Zion and Hyam would sort of take up that mantle, and it's definitely happening Yeah, even Hyam, to a degree, like, has some of the powers of the witnesses more becoming prevalent in this section. We are going to see that, and he's definitely got the vibe down really well. Now, and he even says it, that it is not him who is doing the speaking. It's the same thing with Moses. You know, it's God speaking through him is Mm kind of what they're trying to say. But he immediately starts making his appeal to the crowd. It's it's the whole repent, turn from your sin, don't accept the mark. Um, those of you who have, sorry about it. <laughs> right. You already made your choice. I'm very sorry. But for those of you who have it, there's still time. He brings up stuff from Ephesians and John in his message. Can you uh, read the Ephesians part real quick? Yeah. Um, he paraphrases. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, Nothing we can do will earn our salvation, but as that is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
Yep. Uh, so you know. what they're talking about, we are not able to repent of our sins. Truly, we can't get rid of them, um, that it's an act of faith and it's allowing God to take our sins away. And all of this kind of comes together in sort of a thematic way because of what's about to happen in the temple. So put a pin in that. I'm going to come back to it. Right. We cut from there to David in Petra. So remember, he's the only person in the Petra compound right now. He's the only person in the city. He's got all his computers set up. He's got his bat cave set up. And he's kind of trying to coordinate with Ray because we remember from last time, the GC is on their way. And they're kind of in between Mitzpah and Petra. And they're in their vehicles. They've got guns. And I don't think they have tanks. I think it's all like Jeeps and troop carriers and stuff. But if we remember, the GC are currently afflicted with the plague of boils. Yep, the, the butt itch. The butt itch. <laughs> yes, the butt itch. Um, so they're in a bad way and they're all kind of like falling over themselves. Like they're not ready to fight anyway. Mm -hmm. So Ray kind of turns around, um, and is like, look, we have to use the weapons that we have to fight these guys. And he says that the goal is to send them running rather than taking any lives. And I just kind of went, all right, have you ever seen a 50 caliber round, Gavin? Uh, they're pretty big. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty big. Um, I'm actually going to show you a picture of one, um, that's a 50 cal round. Yeah, yeah, you just you just use that for a little bit of crowd control, you know, nothing major. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's the that's the whole round right there. It's as big as that hand. Uh, it is a very big big cartridge. Why don't they just use the directed energy weapons that are non-lethal apparently and only do minor damage to your skin like they're talking about in the last so section. So they decide to do that, but they're going to use the 50 cals on the vehicles okay the vehicles that hopefully no one is in which is convenient because apparently they're getting out of the vehicles and rolling around on the ground for some reason <laughs> i don't know and i so i just wrote welcome back bad tom clancy <laughs> This is not the first bad Tom Clancy scene we're going to have in here because Ray goes through his plan of attack. He's like, all right, we're going to hit him with the 50 cals. We're going to hit him with the microwave guns because they say DEWs and directed energy weapons. They're microwave guns. Yeah. Ray thinks to himself, oh, no, I'm worried that an errant shot might kill someone. <laughs> you think? No, not with a 50 cal, bro. Oh, man. And you know what? Uh, you got all these guys who are really close to burning uh, vehicles that you're going to explode. Whoops. Maybe they got hit with some shrapnel. What's going to happen? These guys I are going to hell anyway. What does it matter? Uh, that kind of becomes a point that gets brought up a little bit later. Um, and we're going to definitely get there. The chips are down. He decides to open fire. But right before he does, he makes sure to put in earplugs. The earplugs thing kind of seemed like a weird tangent detail. Yeah. They go into detail about like, oh, man, I really need my earplugs. Man, that would have been sure bad if I didn't have it. So those are Chekhov's earplugs for right now. Yeah. He doesn't have any training in firing a 50 cal rifle and it knocks him way back, which is what it would do mm -hmm. um realism and, yeah realism that's what i want in my my christian fantasy book mac and albie also start firing um and they're putting holes in the vehicles they're destroying them uh, essentially they want you to believe they're shooting over the heads of the gc that are rolling around on the ground who says it's like world war four oh here, my bro? god <laughs> who says that that line every time made me like ugh. it's ugh because it's specifically acknowledging that world war, war three, three has already, already happened. happened you're like come on uh david david says oh that. david says it he's like yeah it sounds like world war four <laughs> So over in Chicago, Zion is also talking to David and he's watching the news and seeing that even the news anchors are covered in sores and they're kind of trying to provide like CDC guidelines for the sores. And that just 
that felt a little too real. Linda took a moment to note that Zion knew he should sleep, but he also knew that there would be time to rest and breathe between Carpathia's breaking of the covenant and the Battle of Armageddon. This lady, man, I don't understand. She, I don't know, she, she, the only other thing she's highlighted so far is she really liked when the Bible verses got brought up, so precious. Oh, that makes sense. I don't know. So, there's a lot of intercutting, and I don't think that's ever going to slow down now, that the force is so, like, fragmented. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're back to Chang. He quarantines himself and starts faking his own sores. Basically, like, oh, man, I feel bad. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, boss. Oh, man, this sucks. (laughs) So, the GC can't really explain the sores, um, but they immediately get on the defensive and are like, uh, any connection between this and the mark of loyalty is entirely coincidental. But poor Chang starts kind of itching psychosomatically. Oh, no. And they don't say it's psychosomatic, but they kind of allude to it. And they're going to clear that up later. Since he does also have the mark, he's like, oh, God, no, 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 please, no. <laughs> poor guy. I mean, I hate him, but poor he's guy. going through it. Yeah, he's going through it for sure. Now, we're back to Buck and Hyam again. Multiple people are starting to step out of the crowd to pray with Hyam. We have seen this scene a thousand times. It's somebody who's in a witness position being like, come to Christ, do it right now. This is your only chance. And everybody's like, okay. And it's like a bunch of people coming out of the crowd and, you know, they're getting the mark of the lamb on their forehead. And Hyam goes, all right, if you're Jewish, head over here. If you're not, uh <laughs> He doesn't really give him a game plan if you're not Jewish. So as he is preaching, so several men in rabbinical garb approach from the wailing wall. And Hyam just turns to him and is like, guys, look, I know you don't believe in Jesus, but you got to know it's not Carpathia either. And the rabbis are like, yeah, we know. (laughs) As this is going on, Ming reaches out to Buck and is like, hey, I think we can hijack Carpathia's broadcast. You need to go get some equipment and we'll put Hyam on instead. Why does this feel like so many other beats we have seen before? There's only so many like hijacked pirate broadcasts and big sermons and like other stuff that I can really take. I'm at about my limit of recycled plot points. Right. Here. It's like, I get it. This is your Christian fantasy book. You're going to have a lot of vignettes of people being preachers and being cool about it. I get it. But like at a certain point, it's like, and I get it. The message is supposed to be the same because that's what these books are designed And the message to do. is supposed to be the victory. It, the victory is not, you know, we fight not against flesh and blood, mm-hmm. but against principalities and powers and wickedness and all that kind of stuff. They're kind of sticking to the Christianity part by making the message the real, like, uh, yeah. of the struggle, mm-hmm. you know? But, like, it's just so boring. Yeah. it's There's only so many different ways you can package it, you know? Yeah, and that's, like, when I was, like, talking to you, like, off mic, like, even, like, when we were reviewing the section, I'm like, oh, someone's making a speech, they pull out their guns, oh, no, this is gonna get pretty bad, I don't think we can get through it, don't worry, we can get through it through God, okay, repeat. Yeah, it's just doing the same thing, like, Mm -hmm. we've seen this so many times now, it's very frustrating. And around that time, Carpathia finally makes it to the temple and he passes by Micah slash Hyam, the group of rabbis. And behind him, they are carrying in a giant throne and basically dragging the body of the pig at this point. The pig is alive, yeah, but they're essentially having to drag it up the hill. And uh, Carpathia stops to talk some shit to the rabbis. They're not having it. So they kind of have words with him. A little bit of a mirror and callback to Jesus confronting rabbis, you know, and the Pharisees and everything. Mm -hmm. 
obviously it's Nikolai, so it's the dark mirror of it that he is the bad guy in this situation. And instead of like saying some pithy Jesus type quote, he just goes, It will not be long before you submit to the markers or come to my blade. <laughs> Which, like, we're going to get to my least favorite Nikolai moment in this section, but it's pretty bad. Like, right. It, you know, what? The, the the part where people are clapping back at Nip- Nikolai, I, you know, I enjoyed that a little bit to the point where, like, you know what? He's being a bad villain. Seeing people, like, stand up to the bad villain was kind of cool, I guess. Oh, I got something to say about that okay. a little bit later. All right. Haim and Nikolai actually do trade words, but Haim ends up winning the stare down. Like, yeah. Nikolai flinches, which, like, I get it. Again, I totally get it. Yep. You are doing the like, you know, the devil cannot be in the presence of the word of God. If you rebuke him, he must flee. That is all right out of the Bible. It sucks for dramatic tension. Mm -hmm. Like they've taken so much license with everything in the Bible so far. Take a little bit of license with your villain. And I know what I'm saying here. They don't think they're taking license. Like Tim literally thinks this is how it's going to go. They believe this is how the revelation and the tribulation will play out. They don't think they're playing fast and loose with it, Mm -hmm. but we know they are. So it just, it just sucks. And then we end the chapter with David watching the GC turn tail and run. And he makes sure to say, and nobody died. Wow. Gee willikers, and we didn't kill any of them. With our 50 caliber <laughs> 50 rifles. caliber rifles and our basically laser guns. <laughs> oh, man. Like, it just sucks. And we get a little button on it that Hannah has emailed David. So Hannah Pale Moon has kind of developed a little Florence Nightingale syndrome for our boy David. What's it, what's, who's Florence Nightingale? Uh, she was a famous, um, she was a famous nurse. I think she was credited with basically inventing modern nursing. Florence Nightingale syndrome. I don't think it's an actual syndrome. It's an emotional attachment, kind of like Stockholm syndrome, where nurses develop an affection for their patients. Oh, okay. All right. No. All right. I get you. Um, so she basically says she's got feelings for him, but not really. It's like, hey, I know that we can't be romantically involved because you just lost your fiance, but I'm very fond of you. And the fact that you just sort of scampered off and didn't say goodbye really hurt my feelings. It's like it's definitely saying I'm in love with you, but I'm not going to I'm going to tell you why I'm not going to say that. Mm-hmm. And my feelings are hurt. So um, that takes us into chapter nine. Woo! So Buck starts broadcasting Hyam, um, and he's also getting Hyam's message as well as some of what is going on with the temple. Now, GCCNN is also getting some of the temple proceedings as well, but they're kind of trying to edit around it. The priests in the temple are refusing to leave. What's important to remember here, and Nikolai makes sure they remember that the temple only operates with his approval because it was his accord. It was his rebuilding project. And he's like, oh, what? You don't think I own this place? And he orders the cameraman to shoot anyone who won't leave. Has Walter Moon hand him a gun and goes, shoot them if they refuse to leave. And the guy's like, what? No, I, I, I'm i not trained in this. I'm not doing this. And as uh, Linda highlights, oh, they refuse to leave. Yes, they did. They absolutely <laughs> refused to leave. And uh, then you just hear a gunshot and the cameraman dies. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. Nikolai just pops him. Hyam is show him. Show the body on the floor. Oh, yeah, he does do that. Doesn't yeah, he? He he's does. like show the body on camera. It's really grisly. And so Hyam's delivering his message. He's doing the witness thing where he's speaking in Hebrew, but everybody can hear it in their own language. We've seen it. It's not cool anymore. It was this stopped being cool in book three. 
Yeah, and maybe like if the messages themselves were compelling mm-hmm. and not just recycling the same stuff, but I guess that's just what all Christian messages are at this point. They're just recycling the same words that have been around for a thousand years or whatever. Right. You know? Yeah, and, and again, like something we brought up last episode. I'm being episode. harsh. I'm, I don't like this book. Something that we brought up last episode, a lot of this stuff maybe probably would have been hit way harder if we had like the doctrine yeah behind. and we've we were man enough to admit that yeah <laughs> like that if we really believed in this it would probably mean a lot more to us but we don't yeah and here we are and this book f-ing sucks <laughs> so there's some weird nerdiness about the temple like they want to go into a lot of detail they do go into detail like I- even solomon's scaffold like like where nikolai is on like addressing he's on a replica of solomon's uh sca- um, scaffolding it has all of the energy of your pentecostal grandparents doing their israel trip for like their 60th birthday mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh and then we went to the temple and then we went to the valley of megiddo and then we went to <laughs> it's almost like i'm speaking from experience because i am like, you know, they do that. It's it's these weird, like, Christian Israel tours that they go to all these biblical sites and everybody feels something and it's, like, a big deal. I almost went on one of those. You did you really? Like, like I was I was wanting to, but, like, you know, I, I wasn't quite old enough yet, so, like, maybe maybe later. And then yeah. by, by the time I got old enough, I'm like, I don't want to do this. So, but, yeah, they get really nerdy about the temple and, like, how much they know about it. It's the same stuff we've talked about with, like, the wanting to cosplay Jewish people. Yeah. Like, evangelicals really want to cosplay Old Testament Jewish people. <laughs> so they nerd out about stuff like Solomon's Temple. Um, and so, Linda's nerding out about oh, it, too. Oh, Linda's big into it. See, I called it. Yeah. I called it. <laughs> Linda, Linda's an Old Testament cosplayer, but... Um, so Carpathia actually wipes his hands in the blood of the guy that he killed and is like, look, find his blood on my fingers, which is itself an act of desecration. Like the big moment hasn't happened yet, but he's killed someone in the courtyard of the temple that in and of itself is desecration. You're mm-hmm. shedding blood, you're shedding human blood uh, inside the temple. That, that sucks. Even the rabbis are like, look, man, we made sacrifices to God for you because on, or on your behalf. And he's like, no, all the sacrifices in this temple will be made to me, not for me. Your Nikolai voice is pretty on point. I'm having a good time with it this time, man. I'm I'm feeling myself. My my lord, please. (laughs) Shut up, Leon. We'll get to that later. The shut up, Leon comes on, and it's so good. Oh, God, it's it's so great. So the priests are obviously protesting, but finally, like, you know, discretion is the better part of valor. They decide to leave. And as they are leaving, they're protesting, and the crowd outside is starting to turn on Nikolai. They start chanting, uh, lovers of God unite. <laughs> Bad chant. <laughs> Not a hell no, we won't go. It's a real... Uh, are we in an MMO right now? I don't like this. Well, what MMO? I don't know. Just like, this has like bad MMO energy. I don't know why. Which MMO? I, I don't... Like, it, there's not even one I'm pulling from. I just, I just imagine... It's like a For the Horde, For the Yeah, 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 kind, kind of, of yeah. <laughs> they say this line, and then the Avengers theme in Kazoo starts playing. <laughs> I like that TikTok sound. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I, I need that one. But yeah, I think it's them trying to say, like, Jews and Christians... Like the lovers of God. Mm-hmm. It's like them trying to reach across the aisle, you know, which mm-hmm. again has the energy of being very patronizing, being like, hey, we love Jewish people. They only get half of it, but we love them very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe they'll figure it out. 
We gave him a new Moses. You guys like Moses, right? <laughs> it sucks so bad. And I just giggled when um, Nikolai said he spared no expense in, mm-hmm. in his house. Just spared no expense. <laughs> this is the Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and finally, Nikolai shoves a mic in Leon's face and is like, you talk to him. <laughs> and poor Leon. Still scratching his butt. You, my lord, are the good spear of the world and source of all good things. Oh, God. Ah. He sucks so bad. Ah, man, they could have made Leon so much cooler. They could have. Like, you could have done Matthews, or you could have done, like, a good Darth Vader to Nikolai's Palpatine. Yeah. You know, like a good dual villain thing. Mm-hmm. But you didn't. You have this boob. <laughs> Leon, Leon didn't have to be this dumb. He's like, he's got like a Trump energy to him. In a way. Because yeah. wasn't he like a land developer or something? Like he's, or like a, I don't know. I don't even remember Leon's origin story. So cut back to David. David's watching as Carpathia supporters begin to try and like resist the disloyal. Like they're starting to kind of do the jets and the sharks at each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. The tension is rising in the crowd. Um, Nikolai. Takes out a knife as he makes it to the Holy of Holies. Now, I think we talked about the Holy of Holies. Was it last time? Or did we talk about it during Assassins? And we talked about it during Assassins. Because he says, was the veil torn from top to bottom? Mm-hmm. So as a refresher, the old Temple of Solomon, just like the tabernacle in the earlier Old Testament, like Exodus, is divided into the holy place, which is the outer section, and then the Holy of Holies, which is the place where the presence of God resides the place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept um, in the tabernacle, the place where you do not go unless you are absolutely required to and you are the high priest. Yeah. There is a veil, like a cloth veil in between. And when, according to the Bible, when Jesus was crucified, the veil was torn from top to bottom as if by God, like he reached down and tore it in order to symbolize the separate the separation of man and God being nullified. Okay, got it. That's the idea. And I don't know how accurate this is, but we were taught that when the high priest entered the Holy of Holies, he had to have a rope tied to his ankle Mm -hmm. um, so that if he got too close to the spirit of God, that Shekinah glory that we talked about earlier, and uh, literally dropped dead that they could pull him out. (laughs) I don't know if that's true. Uh, If it is, it's pretty in line with, like, you know, some other stuff that happens in the Old Testament, like the guy that touches the ark and dies, you know. The stuff that Indiana Jones kind of cribbed from. Right. So he, so Nikolai, as a man, slices the veil from top to bottom as high as he can reach. He can't reach all the way to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like a, a weak symbolic gesture. Lots of Nikolai just sort of like being ineffective and sort of like limp. Yeah. At the cool stuff he tries to do here, which I'm sure is on purpose. Yeah, it's it's trying to like he's trying to be like, you know, all cool and emulate like, you know, Christ. But he, he just can't do it. He don't got the gusto. He don't got the gumption. I'm going to say three words. Justin Hammer energy. He feels like Sam Rockwell doing Justin Hammer, where he's constantly trying to like do a bad Robert Downey Jr. impression. Right. And do all of his <laughs> shtick, but he's really bad at it. Like he's wearing a three piece suit with a vest, which looks super lame and it doesn't fit right. You right. know, it's the same energy. Uh, Iron Man 2 is underrated, and so is Sam Rockwell's performance, guys. Go watch <laughs> Iron Man 2 again. So the pig starts to try and break its bonds as they're getting it up to the Holy of Holies. We're not going to read anything in detail from this scene because it's gross. Mm. Um, it's it's animal cruelty stuff. It's just bad. So not going to go into detail. I just wrote, this is just so bad. Like, he looks like a garbage villain. He's not menacing anymore. Like, all of his menace and coolness and everything is drained away. I just wrote, boo. 
I think that's intentional on f***ing Tim and Jerry. I think part. it is. Yeah. I think it is. And I don't think that we need to give that like a demerit. Yeah. You know, because it seems to be intentional. I'm giving it a demerit because they're not pulling it off. Yeah. Yeah. They're not. I know what you're trying yeah. to do. I see all the uh, the components of what you're trying to do. They're not coming together to, to make a full product. I, I feel like Gordon Ramsay critiquing someone's dish on MasterChef. I'm like, you know, I see what you're trying to do. Absolutely yeah. terrific. What a shame. That <laughs> was good. Man, I didn't know you had that in you. <laughs> Your nose, like whenever he's the shame. He, whenever he's like the most upset. He doesn't start yelling. That's that's his line that he'll he'll lead it's, him with. What a shame. <laughs> that is true. I've been watching way too much MasterChef lately. He flings blood onto the altar. He cuts he cuts the pig, you know, kills it, flings the blood onto the altar, which is the final desecration. He is taking a an animal that is not kosher. He is rather than going through the proper rites and burning it as an offering as it is outlined in the Torah, he he does that. And it's gross and it's offensive and it's terrible. So mm -hmm. that's the desecration. We finally reached the title card. That's why we're here. Even David points out that like this new Nikolai is a goon. Yeah. Like they call he calls him a drunken frat boy, I think. I, I can see that. And I wrote here, uh, lampshading doesn't fix it, boys. Mm -hmm. it still sucks. And um after he desecrates the altar where the burnt offerings would be, they move Nikolai's I guess it's a golden throne. It's, golden I, I throne. it's an ornate throne, they mm -hmm. say. So they put the throne in the place on the altar so that he can sit and be God. Yeah. Outside, Buck's kind of watching as uh, people kind of start to make a break from the temple. Like, people are starting to run. Because it's like, oh, we got to get out of here. This is getting bad. Yeah, um, Linda makes a chance to note she's really impacted by men in flowing beards crying out. He would sacrifice a pig in the Holy of Holies and cavort in its blood. So I, you know. I think Linda wants to be one of those old men with flowing beards. Yep. <clears throat> she wants to cosplay. It's, it's okay. I mean, it's fine. I hope, I hope she gets her dream. Did I ever tell you about growing up in church, there was this thing that would happen, and it didn't just happen at one church that I went to. It happened at multiple ones, and it was kind of a, um, usually an Easter thing um, when we were doing, like, passion plays and stuff like that. They would build, and it was mostly a kid's thing, like a replica of, like, old Jerusalem, and, like, people would dress up in, like, Bible costumes and stuff and be different characters, and they would have little historical things and stuff like that. No, this is kind of like a Bible LARP. Kind of a Bible LARP, yeah. <laughs> and um, I was part of them a little bit as I was in, like, middle school and stuff. Like, you know, being a guy with a camel, you know, like, nothing major. Wasn't getting to play anybody cool. Um, but, like, there would be characters from, uh, like, the Bible, like, Peter and, like, you know, uh, Pontius Pilate and some of the Romans and stuff like that would be around. It was kind of, it's like walking through Galaxy's Edge, you know? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you see Kylo Ren, sometimes you see, like, you know, Maskinata. You know, nobody cares about Maskinata. <laughs> yeah, and it was for kids and parents, you know, they would come in and do it, you know, and it was, like, a whole thing. When I say they want to cosplay Bible characters, they super duper do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And um, it is it is very fun in retrospect to think about like Southern evangelical Christians trying to talk at length about like Jewish temple proceedings, mm -hmm. which they have never like they don't have any academic knowledge of, you know, right. <laughs> like you don't know what you're talking about, man. Um, but I just wrote here. This is padding like they do this and it kind of worked in Assassin's. But, like, it has worked less and less. The switching between different character perspectives on the same event 
I don't know what it is for me that doesn't work because this happens in other books. It happens in movies. It happens in TV. It yeah, happens this is, in this comics. This is a good device. But they just bungle it. Yeah. I think it's timing. Yeah. I think it's the timing, and I guess it's because I don't really care about a lot of these characters that much. Mm-hmm. I don't care what they think about it. <laughs> like, I don't care what David thinks about it. David's doing nothing. Yeah. Right now. And um, they're just cutting back and forth about, like, what does David think about it? What does Zion think about it? What does Buck think about it? You know, what's going on? <sighs> Who cares? Like, I just don't. And I also wrote that the perspective shift isn't different enough like they're just kind of saying the same thing rather yeah. than adding anything new to it and i think that might be also why it doesn't yeah work. it's again because like even though these are different characters they're still just all mouthpieces for the same ideological doctrine and sometimes um jerry doesn't really um put enough flavor on the differences of just ideological like you know regurgitation yeah maybe that's why like i like characters like Hyam and hattie is because they sound the least like jerry yeah you know yeah, what like i mean the, like they're like he, with those characters he's making an effort to step outside of himself with like Hyam, it's because like all right like to jerry this guy's from completely different culture and it's like you know one of the main parts of the books so i really gotta lean into him and then with hattie it's like oh Oh, she she's like a villain, villainous character that needs to like be shown the light. So she's going to act differently than they're also else. two of the most adamant non-believers for the longest time. Yeah. So I think that makes him have to step outside of his comfort zone in terms of writing these characters. Yeah, he has to look at situations through other people's lenses. Right. Which is a very rare thing for a lot of evangelical Christians. I'm not sorry. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's a really good point, is yeah. that it forces him out of his comfort zone and having to look through different perspectives of, co- like, how would someone not believe after all this, which ends up being a net benefit to us as readers, and I think that's why we care about them more. Yeah. But as soon as Hyam uh, becomes Micah, he's back to spouting witness shit, and he becomes less relatable. And then when Hattie uh, finds Christ, she dies, so... Also really difficult to relate to, being yeah. dead and all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I've never I don't know what that. it's like. I've never done that before. <laughs> kind of don't want to. So the crowd finally starts to turn on Nikolai. It looks like the dissidents are winning because they see him move his statue into the temple and they're like, oh, okay, that's enough. And a fight breaks out. Yeah. There's shots fired, you know, and then it's very quickly just evolves into a full on brawl and then a riot. So it's not the first time we've seen some riot stuff going on in Jerusalem in these books. Uh, Lots of people there. TV equipment, guillotines, all this stuff is getting smashed. Uh, Carpathia is sweating like he's scared. Um, And he steps out and tries to do his Nikolai thing. And do we are we separating Nikolai from satan at this point like are they we kind of have said they're different characters. Yeah, they are. But like and I'm not spoiling, but the books are going to make it very clear later on that that's the case. Okay, yeah, I mean, I haven't really been doing that all too much. Like, it, but at the same time, it's like, I know, it's, it's like a weird kind of like, it, it, you would have to have like a weird Trinity diagram, but it's just two people. It's just like, they're not each other, but they're like, but Satan's kind of like at the wheel. I don't know. Satan's at the wheel, yeah, for sure. Wheel. But it shows that he is scared, and he tries to do the Nikolai-like, peace be still kind of shtick, and he's bad at it. Mm -hmm. He can't get their attention. And it's like Satan doesn't know how to use the Nikolai toolkit. Yeah. He's a man out of time. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he's not comfortable in this time. You know, this guy was built for Old Testament prehistory kind of stuff, and he's just not comfortable. You know, and if they played with that, like, you know, you know what? We've said we've we've gone that ramp before. If they played with that, aspect yeah, we're writing another book again. We are. Dang it! If they just like leaned into that, and like again, they're trying. If they if they wanted to go the route to make Carpathia bumbling, you know, and kind of like after Satan, like show that more of like. He doesn't know how to use the body. He's unfamiliar with technology. He has to get AIDS. Like, I don't know how to f***ing use this phone. You do it. Like, make him like Dracula waking up after hundreds of years. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're doing the Dracula comparisons anyway. Like, just do that. Or make him like Conan, you know, or like Loki. Yeah. Yeah. I'm burdened with glorious purpose. And everybody's like, what? Why are you dressed like that? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't he? Why would he dress normal? Like, you know, he's he's this old ancient entity, like play with that. But they just don't. Yeah. Uh, the writing crowd starts laughing at him and howling for his blood. <laughs> it's another biblical parallel. It's it's he is now Christ who the crowd has turned on. But in this case, it is a good thing because he is the bad guy. Mm-hmm. We take Bible thing and we flip. It's bizarro Bible. All right. And Linda really likes this part. Too. I'm sure she loves <laughs> it. And Hyam is the one who has to stand up and, and quiet the crowd. He says, it's not the time for the man of sin to face judgment. So the man of sin is actually another concept, I'm going to call it. It's not an entity. It's something that within the Bible is referred to, the time of the man of sin. Tim has chosen to make the man of sin a reference to the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. That goes into a lot of Tim's theology and all of the different sources he is pulling from to create his Antichrist character, which, as we all know, by this far into the podcast, may not actually be a thing that's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Arguably is not. Crowd listens to Hyam. They decide to leave and they let Nikolai leave. And Hyam's like, look, I'm letting you out of here, but only on the condition that you let the Jews leave before the sores are lifted. Then he makes another appeal to the crowd and they're like, hey, um, why should we flee? Like, we don't need to leave. Like, we, we just ratioed this dude. Why do we got to leave? <laughs> and uh, Hyam says, uh, because God has spoken. And I just wrote, this is dumb. This is prophecy is plot, which you've heard me complain about before. Mm-hmm. It's almost like I have the same complaints because the book keeps doing the same thing. Whatever. <laughs> so. Jerusalem again in a riot. There's boil-ridden people trying to commit suicide. Almost like we've seen that before. Uh, hey, it's almost like remember back in uh in book one when the rapture was happening and people couldn't take it, so the they they decide, all right, we're gonna show a lot of people committing suicide. And then book five when people got stung by the scorpion demons and they couldn't kill themselves, but they wanted to because oh, they were in Oh, the and um and like um Chang, like when he is like you know like he takes both both marks and he doesn't know what to do. That's his first impulse. Yeah, that's why we put a content warning at the beginning of the show because this is something that they like to use. Um, but some of it is in the Bible too. Yeah. That, you know, they will try to kill themselves and won't be able to. Um, people are singing and dancing and coming to Christ in droves. And I just wrote, saying it, we've already done this. And we end the chapter with Z talking to Chloe. So, mm-hmm. and we remember from the first part, Chloe has noticed something in the distance from the strong building and she's trying to figure out what it is. So he gets her a telescope and he then encourages her to like, he says clone yourself, but he means to get in and enlist all of the stay at home moms to like do the thing that Chloe does. I'm reading way too deep into this, but this has so much evangelical gender role shit just bleeding off of it specifically like, hey, lady, 
you're doing the lady stuff. You're supporting from the rear. Like, you're back here minding the home. Why don't you uh, incorporate all these other ladies like yourself to take care of the home front? Because it's 1942. It even says Chloe to clone herself via the internet. So Chloe's going to get on her Facebook, Christian Moms Against the Antichrist. Right. And, uh, get all of her, our gang together. Oh, my God. That's exactly what it would be if it was written now. Um, so that takes us into chapter 10. Um, and we get a confrontation with Buck, Hyam, and the cabinet. So it's Nikolai, Leon, and Walter. So it's kind of a skeleton crew of the cabinet. Mm-hmm. And Nikolai's like, I've held my end of the bargain. Why are the soldiers still here? And Hyam's like, well, it's not like you had a choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also, I never agreed the swords would go away. And Nikolai kind of tries to get up. He comes around the table and like gets in Hyam's face. And of course, Hyam's not having it. Yep. And he does drop not a bad line. I didn't hate this. Hyam looks up at him after Nikolai yells in his face and goes, why does your bad breath not surprise me? <laughs> Love it. Well, it's, that's, a, that's a good clap. Yeah. It's not bad. Um, and he says the same thing we've heard before. The script has already been written. You lose. So Leon and Walter immediately are like, uh, Excellency, uh, just a minute. And they pull him into a huddle. Actually, <laughs> and they all yeah. kind of duck out. Excellency, a word, please. <laughs> God, the voice of Leon in this is just so goop, so goofy. I'm going to be sad when that voice goes away in a well, book or two. I- I'm seeing it more Trumpy now, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. It, and I'm putting that over Leon, and it's working so much better for me now. Um, Excellency, a word, please. <laughs> um, so Carpathia does submit to the terms, and I did acknowledge here this is a real "let my people go" kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Like, Hiam is Moses, he's Pharaoh. This is the plagues. You know, let my people go. Okay, and that's going to come into play later on with how this section of the book comes to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, back to Chloe, she's able to see a light in the distance through the telescope. And they go into like mad detail about the telescope and the adjustments and all this stuff. And it's just padding. Like Jerry doesn't know what is interesting about what he's writing. It feels like trying to reach a page count. I don't even know if his heart's in this anymore. Maybe not. Like maybe that's why we're enjoying them less. You know, I I, I don't I can kind of see that, but at the same time, I feel like there's too much of like a bond between Tim and Jerry for him to really have his heart out of it. Maybe. I mean, I think that we're starting to lose it now. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Because, uh, is, is Jerry also writing the kids books as well? I think so. Yeah. 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 So I feel like, you know, by this point, book nine of this series, more book he's in, in the kids series, he might be getting burnt out. I think he's definitely getting burnt out. Cause I think these were being released on like a yearly schedule. Yeah, dude. And, um, so I, I can see some burnout happening. Like, you know, you're trying to write an essay and then, you know, you you repeat some stuff in the same paragraph because that's what I feel myself doing during this show mm-hmm. is just repeating the same shit because the book is doing it. Yeah. There's only so many different ways I can say, like, this is dumb and it sucks. And I keep trying to put more interesting shit in there and like. They're not giving me a lot to work with. Right? Yeah. There's only so many ways we can overly verbose say book bad before yeah, we two are hitting the same points. I know, which we're guys are trying not to be boring here, mm-hmm. but you've stuck with us this far. Let's keep going. Um, and it ends with Chloe would have to try again another night. Okay, this whole section sucks. Hyam comes in with the jokes. Uh, cause Buck is like, Well, how do you know that Nikolai is gonna honor his part of the deal? And Hyam's like, Well, he shook on it, didn't he? <laughs> 
Classic Kyle. Uh, it's not a bad joke. He still remains a well-written character. Like he's fun when he's on screen, especially when he drops the Micah Moses act and goes back into Hyam. It's pretty good. Mm -hmm. So Nikolai agrees to six hours. Hyam's like, yeah, it didn't get to be six hours. <laughs> we gotta go. <laughs> because the prophecy is that the dragon, meaning Satan, will pursue the woman, that's the people of Israel, into the desert, and he will spray water out of his mouth to follow her flight into the desert. Mm -hmm. And the spraying of water in Tim's eyes is the forces of the Antichrist coming after to pursue them. Mm -hmm. So Zion and Ray have a little conference, and Zion's like, hey, man, um, I know the 144,000 are going to be safe. I can't guarantee you guys or anything else. So sorry about it. And he and Ray go back to discussing killing the enemy. And here it comes. It's you or them. So we've talked a lot on this show about the sort of Christo-fascist justification of violence in the name of fighting the Antichrist. And as you and I both know, in a lot of Christo-fascist circles online, the I hate the Antichrist meme and all of that and fighting the New World Order and how that gets mixed in with other conspiracy theories and other far-right extremist groups, while this is not saying it's okay, and in a lot of cases is not condoning it, it comes right up to the line and uses a lot of the same justifications. Yes. Because if you asked any kind of Christo-fascist, far-right extremist, what they would tell you is the New World Order wants to kill people like me. Mm -hmm. They exactly. want to put us in FEMA camps and they want to exterminate us. Because of that persecution complex that we've talked about time and again, which these books also f***ing reinforce. So we're going to get some more violence later and some actual bloodshed and we're going to talk about that. We haven't really talked about a lot of far-right memes and how they are moving a lot into more New World Order, specifically referencing the Antichrist. I think that's going to be a conversation when we get it to Armageddon. Yeah. Um, because that's the language of, like, far-right militias and stuff now. It always has been, but it is becoming more memefied, and it's hitting younger and younger. Oh, God, I look at, like, because, like, part of, like, what I do for research for this podcast, and at a certain point, like, it's a, it's a little bit hurtful to my mental health just, like, looking at this stuff every day, but I've started, like, following a lot of the meme pages for a lot of, like, this stuff. It, it, it goes from, ha-ha, funny, I hate authority, real quick to a Doge meme being like, did they really kill six million Jews? Oh, God, yeah, it, it sucks. Yeah. It's very bad. So, just remember... All of this stuff is different points along the pipeline. Yeah. And the pipeline ends at far-right Christo-fascist extremism. Man, that's dark. Yeah. <laughs> like, I hate that we even have to say that, but, like, we're watching it happen. Um, One minute you're just browsing memes on Facebook and you see, you know, some stuff that's a little bit edgier than you're used to and you think it's funny. The next minute you're, like, actively engaging in anti-Semitism and buying into, like, these big conspiracy theories. Yeah. It sucks. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll get more into that. And I think we need to maybe have a sideshow specifically about like the way that the far right recruits out of evangelical Christianity. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good one. That's going to take a lot of research, though. Oh, yeah. I really want to go like deep into that one. Yeah. So anyway, Nikolai is giving Leon kind of a talking to during his meeting with the cabinet and immediately starts making plans about how he's going to retaliate mm -hmm. on the Jews as they're fleeing. It's another Pharaoh parallel. As soon as he allowed the exodus to take place, he changed his mind and then immediately started pursuing them. And mm -hmm. that's where we get the Red Sea scene. Um, if you know the story of Exodus, that's something you're probably familiar with. <clears throat> we get a reintroduction of Hut, 
Remember Hut, the uh, guy that Nikolai ordered to shoot Micah, and yeah. he was unsuccessful. Um, he's had about enough of Nikolai. Sh- I like this section. Yeah, he talks back to him, and uh, <laughs> as soon as he does, Nikolai just pops him because um, he doesn't use his title. That's the main reason. And then uh, when Nikolai calls him on not using his title, he's like, "You know what? F- you." He Done. does get. He does get like a major. Uh, mouth like towards Carpathian. Yeah, tell him what he says. I shot that man eight times at point blank range. Worshipfulness. The heckler I killed from two feet away. You couldn't have killed Micah yourself. Mr. Akbar, your sidearm, please. <laughs> yeah, and then he shoots him. The cabinet is immediately just like doubting him all over. Mm-hmm. Like they are not a big fan of what he's doing and he's, he's making an ass of himself and mm-hmm. people are starting to turn on him. But immediately... Nikolai starts making plans. He's like, they're going to attack Masada, which, remember, is where the Jews that are kind of undecided about going to Petra are going. It's a place of refuge for them. And then he says, oh, yeah, by the way, anybody on the Mount of Olives is fair game. As soon as we're ready to attack, just shoot them all. Yeah, and it seems like Nikolai, he's still got his smarts left. He's like, hmm, they're, all go- they're going to be in uh, three only three places. I have nukes. Yeah, it's true, he does. (laughs) Um, So, one important part from this section is to confirm that there are no human casualties, so David was right Mm -hmm. from that skirmish, but there are two MIAs, two guys who didn't report back in. So, remember that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Buck and Hyam are kind of overseeing it and praying that just Nikolai's going to be overconfident and walking just into the second plague. Because part of the threat is, hey, if you attack us, I'm calling down the second plague, or God is calling down the second plague of the bowls of wrath, and that's going to be kind of the existential threat here. So Ray is in an evac chopper headed back to Petra. There's a lot of, like, going to Petra, to Masada, to Mitzperamon, and back. It's I really need to get a map so I can look at the the distances here um and he's concerned he's like man i'm leading everybody into a kill box and max like well hey we could just mount the 50 cals onto the choppers and abdullah's like no we can't (laughs) that's really dangerous um and he's like what about the dews then and so they're gonna put the energy weapons on the choppers themselves and so they start coordinating with david and hannah and leah everybody's kind of like moving between these three places trying to link up and get everybody moving And it's around that time that david Here's footsteps in Petra. He was supposed to be the only one there. And it's two armed GC peacekeepers, and they see him and level their weapons. Around that time, he doesn't have a weapon. He just calls Ray. He tries to dive away from them. He twists his ankle, and he's getting ready to, like, throw rocks at them. Like, he doesn't have anything to defend himself. Ray calls him back, and he answers the phone, only to hear gunfire, a crash, the words, God, please help me, and splashing liquid. So David tries to play dead. We cut back to his perspective, and then we cut immediately back to Ray. We hear two more gunshots, and then nothing. It's going to take about a chapter or two for them to verify, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, R.I.P. David, he's done. Yeah. Rest in peace, David. Yeah. Now, Ray is immediately terrified that David's phone is going to fall into the wrong hands. That's how we end the chapter instead of the death, which is just a timing Right, like, and even if you start chapter 11 with, oh man, the fuck, you know, that's a good, it's like, okay, you, you end on a, the beat of the death, and then the phone is, the phone is still like a big beat, but it's not as big as a beat as the death. It's stupid. So, chapter 11, it's kind of a shorter chapter, um, Leah and Hannah are loading in medical supplies, and we see a missed call from David, uh, and Hannah doesn't want to call back. Mm-hmm. 
So it's just like, yeah, I just don't think I'm really ready to talk to him right now. <laughs> um, and Ray does a little group call with both of them. And he's like, hey, uh, I'm handing my duties off to George, coordinating the uh, the evacuation. Get Leah here and a couple of others. We got to go get David. Yeah. Uh, also bring a stretcher um, because, of course, the phone and the computers and everything is in danger if David's been compromised. Chang is immediately informed he does some computer magic to erase the mother chip on David's phone. It's the not, mother chip. It's not the stupidest technology thing in this section, but it's, it's a little up dumb. there. It's yeah. dumb. And then Leah and Ray meet with Albie. They get some weapons from Abdullah. And then so George and Abdullah are going to break off. They're going to go prep for repelling an air attack and kind of guiding everyone into Petra. And then they say something. I think it's Ray that says it. Um, he says, people are going to die, but we're going to see them again, which I've talked about before is like, why are we so worried about the death? Because it's not going to be long before you see them again. But at the same time, I guess that's why they have to put like the compromising of the data as another motivator. Yeah, because if, if he would have just died, it's like, all right, we'll see him later. Well, it feels callous, you know, like it, it just it feels like it doesn't have weight, mm-hmm. you know, not to quote the Bible, but oh, death, where is your sting? Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. it's kind of gone. Ray's kind of fretting over the logistics of the upcoming attack and kind of getting everyone into Petra. So his mind is preoccupied while they're heading into the city. And it's going to be Mac, Albie, Ray and Leah. Um, so they hand Leah Max 45 and they're sort of moving fast and low through the city as the sun is setting. Like it's a neat little scene. It's just not good. It's a lackluster left behind action scene. Like yeah. we've had plenty of these. I think I enjoyed Buck punching the dude in the hospital to death more cool. than this. So they're kind of moving and Ray thinks to himself like the only tactical action he's ever had like this is weekend paintball games. And I feel like that's a Jerry self report. Maybe like that. This is the only action that Jerry's ever seen is in a weekend paintball game, you know, and all four of them are really bad at being stealthy and like spotting like they're able to make it to where they see the two GC guys. They've split up and they're like trying to do radio security and not like give away their position. But Leah radios that she found David's phone and a trail of blood and it's a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. So it's almost a confirmation. Not quite. The confirmation is coming. But then we're going to move into chapter 12. I did skip a lot of that section because it's just a lot of bad Metal Gear Solid sort of sneaking around. Even even Linda, um, she's pointing out that the treasury of the Pharaoh, she liked that. Uh, oh, the tre- the in Petra. Yeah, I forgot to mention that they they pass through a place in Petra that was the treasury of the Pharaoh. Yeah. That's where the blue eyes white dragon was kept. Wait, really? <laughs> no, oh, I, no. thought, I thought that was a reference in Oh, to, oh you mean the, to the season where they go back to Egypt? Yeah. I don't remember. No, probably not. Um, Hannah makes it to Mitzbaramon and she kind of hooks up with George and Abdullah trying to ferry everybody out. But remember everyone is stalled at this point because we don't know if Petra is secure. Mm-hmm. And she finds herself a moment to read David's reply email. Do you mind reading that for a second? I know we haven't done a lot of quotes this time because most of them suck, but. All right. Hannah, forgive me. What can I say? You're right. I was insensitive. And don't give a second thought to your worry that I might misinterpret your feelings. The truth is, there's one thing that niggled at the back of my mind. It's a bad word. Don't yep. do that. I don't like that word at all. Uh, at the back of my mind in this whole decision, it was that I was going to miss you. I didn't know how to express it because I didn't want to be misunderstood either. I don't know why we feel I have to tiptoe around these issues, especially now. 
No, we didn't know each other well enough to, to be thinking about anything but a friendship. And I am still deep pain over Annie, of course. I would not likely have even wanted to consider a new romance with such a short time left. On the other hand, I suppose it's understandable that we were awkward about this because we were suddenly in case available. It was stupid of me to, to fear you would misunderstand. We had become such good friends so quickly that, who knows, maybe I feared something deeper would develop just as quickly. Now, can I stop reading this? Yeah, just stop. <laughs> I, so I wanted you to read this because I specifically just wrote, what is this subplot? Why are we doing this? Why is this a discussion? Is it to give David's death stakes because he's already lost Annie, so he needs someone else who's close to him or cares for him? I don't know. The whole tribulation force cares about him. Like, why are you doing this? Also, hey, I didn't consider a relationship, but I might have. Even though you know you're about to see Annie again, and you're going to have some splaining to do. Oh, there's a smiley face emoji. You're just sitting over here giggling. Gavin just pointed out that there's a smiley face yeah, emoji. He says, uh, I guess it's called an emoticon. It's not an it's emoji. It's a weird place, too. You're also right. There's likely no need for medical personnel here. And you're certainly not an Israeli smiley face. You Dude, know, you okay, know, what? Being... Hold up. They didn't say smiley face in the audiobook. So that's so weird. You know, despite being ethnically Jewish, I am not purely an Israeli either. Although I have distant roots here. And that's where he put the smiley face. That's so bizarre. Yeah, he goes on for a couple of paragraphs, basically just saying like, hey, I like you. I think you're hot. Um, I'm, I'm glad we got to be friends. I would like to continue being friends. Like I said, back to my other point, you're about to go to heaven. And then what? Like, and because this is the same thing with like Ray and his new wife. And like, what happens when we get to heaven? I guess we're going to learn because I'm going to read that terrible last book that I never that, read. That guy on the fandom page for Left Behind. Apparently, like, book 13 is, like, a hot spot for fan fiction. I guess because it is fan fiction. Yeah. Like, not that all of this isn't, but it's almost fan fiction about itself because yeah. it came out later. Like, it's a weird sequel, but, like, dude, it is very bizarre for me that a sect of religious folks who were so all about, you know, divorce is bad, um, you need to stay married, this is important, it's blessed by God let no man separate that kind of thing want to take an actual look at the implications of like, okay, what happens with your romantic partner when you get to heaven? Mm -hmm. Like I, and maybe they don't even look at it. Maybe they, maybe these characters don't appear. Maybe Amanda is not in heaven or maybe she just never shows up conveniently. Like maybe, maybe the Hannah, Annie, David conversation never takes place. Maybe David's not even in the book. Maybe everybody's back. So like maybe David just gets like they see him in the crowd. They're like, hey, man, he's like, hey, like, I don't know. We'll, we'll have this to pretty get cool, there. ain't it? We'll have Promise to get... Kingdom. Yeah, I guess we'll get there. I don't just, that sucks. Whatever. like one of the few books I'm excited to uh, excited to read one. It's the end. It's our kingdom come of the podcast. It's literally called Kingdom Come. Yeah. But also, <laughs> like, so the, the, the few spoilers I've heard about it, which is very few. I'm like, OK, maybe they figured out how to write maybe like maybe at a certain point you just throw the bible out the window that's what and i think that's what it. they're doing yeah so let's not get too excited for it just yet but i i agree with you 100 percent because we are off the edge of the map in that book yeah um we're past the blessings of the lord jesus christ be on you forever amen <laughs> we're at something else so anyway back to the story 
So Ray and the other three kind of still bumbling through again, and he's mulling over, do I kill these GC guys or not? So he's he's spotting for Leah, and Leah comes over the radio. She's like, they butchered him, and the birds are already upon him, is the quote, which is a weird way of speaking. No one talks like that. I don't know if that's a Bible quote that I'm not aware of, but it felt like it. So rubber meets the road for Ray. Um, there's a chopper coming in. The GC are leveling their weapons at it. It's an Operation Eagle chopper. And back to what Zion said, it's them or us. Ray fires the 50 cal. He kills him. Yeah. He gets him with one. And there's a lot of gore there. So we're going to we're going to split past it. Um, but he forgets his earplugs. So he immediately blows out his eardrums and he is overcome with remorse. So we have a real call of duty like ears ringing. Uh, yeah. And. Mac has to snap him out of it. He's like, this is war. They would have killed any one of us. It's the same thing that we were talking about earlier. It's them or us. Mm -hmm. So bad messaging. Um, they decide to dump the bodies over into the gorge, and they make the call to start moving people into Petra. So things are moving. Chang sort of starts selectively telling the force about David. He specifically avoids telling Buck and Hyam. Hannah naturally is devastated. Oh, yeah. Because she didn't get to talk to him. That's kind of where we pick up from there. Um, Chang suddenly realizes as well, he has not been afflicted by the skin plague at all, and it is starting to lift on everyone else, so he dodged it. Mm -hmm. So good news for Chang. And then he gets a message from his mother. Oh, no. All right, so Chang's mom sends him an email. For some reason, she sends it in English, I think. It doesn't specify, but it's in broken English. It's the same things that we've heard like from the Wongs already when they're speaking English. It's just bad. Can you read just a little bit of it there just so I get an idea? Father upset Carpathia's shameful exhibition in Jerusalem. Not know what to think. Want, wants me to ask what you think. What do you think? I will send this before he sees and will race from storage. You answer careful in case he see. Carpathia seemed bad. Bad, bad, bad. Ben Judah, very interesting. A prophet. How does he know in advance? I need to know how to send to Ming. Tell her I will, mother. Yeah, it's it's bad. Um, Buck and Hyam are looking over the crowd at Masada, and Hyam gives them one last appeal. He's like, hey, please accept Christ. Please leave Masada, flee to Petra. Your choice is God or Carpathia, and you guys are all Jews. I think, you know, God is the right choice. Mm -hmm. It's just so patronizing. Like, I don't like it. But it's just the same stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, it's he's speaking and doesn't need sound equipment. The same as the witnesses. Like, these miracles are boring. We're going to get a less boring miracle before we're done. Um, but even it just doesn't really pop. So Ray's hearing um, is still bad as they're reaching Mitzvah Ramon. And Ray decides to take a break from trying to run things because he views his hearing getting knocked out because of the stupid thing he did as God putting him out of commission. And as soon as he takes his mind off things, he falls asleep in the helicopter. Hmm. And Abdullah announces as this part ends that uh, he's rerouting the mission to Masada because apparently almost everyone is listening to Hyam. Yeah. Like they're like, all right, I mean, we're not going back there to Carpathia, so we're going to go with you. Like, fine. <laughs> right. Of course. Which I mean, what would you do? Like, yeah, of course. I'm going to do that. I, I have the man or I have a man who shot a dude on live television. Um, and then I have a man with God powers. Who am I going to pick? It's, I said the word patronizing earlier because it's really taking people who would have been sympathetic to your type of belief anyway and saying like, yeah, but you guys don't really get it. So you can either go back into the mouth of the shark or you can come with us. It's that same shit 
that I've said about like Christian missionaries in other countries, yeah. how they just are like, Hey, we're going to feed you folks who are economically disadvantaged, but, uh, you gotta believe in Jesus or at least let us tell you about him. So Hyam continues the same message that Zion's always repeated. Hey guys, did you know that Jesus fulfilled all these messianic prophecies? Citation needed. More schools, colleges, hospitals, and orphanages have been started because of him than because of anyone else. More art was created, more music written, more humanitarian acts performed due to him and his influence than anyone else ever. Great international encyclopedias devote 20,000 words to describing him and his influence on the world. Even our calendar is based on his birth. And all of this he accomplished in a public ministry that lasted just three and a half years. This is not evidence. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm sorry, man. I'm not trying to be r slash atheism about this. This is not evidence. This is not an appeal to anything. This doesn't mean he's the son of God any more than it means that he was the son of Adam Sandler. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Like, this is not an appeal to anything. This is bullshit. When people try to make these kinds of arguments, it's insulting. Let alone the fact that you're like, schools, hospitals, universities, maybe that's because people with your faith have historically rolled the dice and ended up in positions of power in different civilizations that have had both military and economic power. Right. Okay. There are a lot of religions that have had massive impacts on science and art or civilizations where the majority religion was not Christianity that had that impact. Exactly. But you're a white guy living in the West, so you're completely discounting that. Yeah, it's like, you know, a lot of like, you know, Eastern faiths, again, like music has been created, uh, art's been made uh, with these religions, uh, probably like schools, hospitals and all that, all that stuff with like Hinduism, Buddhism still applies. And Islam. Yeah, and Islam, yeah. And it's Judaism. Islam, yeah, Islamic golden age, like a lot of the technological development. This is the same kind of Western chauvinism that you see in most of these right-wing evangelical groups, it's West is best. And it is just a, it's speaking from ignorance, I think truly on Jerry and Tim's part. Like I'm gonna give them that this time, but it is just so bass backwards. Like they don't know what they're talking about. If you also don't know, and you grew up in the West and you were inundated by Western imperialist propaganda, again, I don't mean to sound like I live on Twitter. But it's true, like, if so much of your education is so focused on the West, of course that's what you're going to think is the most important thing. Right, and, like, some of these arguments, like, uh, like you said, if you're not in the know, like, when I was a kid, I would hear some of these arguments and know they were wrong somehow, but not have the linguistic or, like, you know, linguistic capability or knowledge to even know how to begin to refute these things. Yeah, so but you know, you feel it that it's incorrect. Yeah. And like, not that you're going to make an argument based on feelings, but like, you're like, hey, this smells like bull. Yeah. Like, it seems like you're trying to make an argument and you're trying to pull one over on me somehow. Mm -hmm. and, then, and, and you don't have like any of the, you know, information, uh, especially if you're like closed off from other communities to even like, you know, what what you would say to uh, to that to refute it. And they have all of the, you know, all of the ammunition of like, oh, well, like, you know, that point you're making um, right there, that's not correct because of. Yeah. And I was given a piece of advice one time and it was as soon as you can leave the country, travel somewhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of an oversimplification. 
but the basic point there was not everywhere is like America. Not everywhere is like the West. Go see how other people live other places. Don't be a weird tourist or go on a mission trip to Africa to make yourself feel good. But like, go somewhere else. Even if it's another country that speaks fucking English, go somewhere that's another culture separate from yours to understand that you are a small part of a big planet. Yeah. And like, but people who never get the chance to do that, and I get that not everybody can afford to do that. That is not, I'm not saying that you have to, but you have the internet now. You can experience and educate yourself on more than you were ever capable of doing in the 90s or even the early 2000s when these were first written. Like, you have the opportunity. Like, this pissed me off so bad. Like, that whole section of them trying to put forward the proliferation of Christianity as evidence. The most popular religion in the world is still Christianity at 31.2%, followed by Islam at 24.1%. Third is no religious affiliation at 16%. Islam is still, it is close to Christianity. There's a whole section of the world that does not believe the way that you do and has a, or has an, a completely different Abrahamic faith that you have no concept of. Mm-hmm. And when you do have a concept of it, it's through a very heavily propagandized lens. Yes. Like us versus them. Absolutely. Thing. Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was thinking the same thing. It's chauvinism, I think, is the best word for it. And that is just so insulting. But I'm not going to get too wrapped up in it. I've said enough. But I hate that section and I hate that argument mm-hmm. so much. And I, the, sex, the next section, he's just doing the plan of salvation, like come forward, say your prayers, repent of your sins. I just wrote, skip it. We've heard the salvation message in these books before. They always put it in there whenever they can because, you know, maybe this will be the only, quote, Bible that people read. So Mm -hmm. Buck and Hyam are loaded onto an evac chopper. And when they are, Israel is declared a no-fly zone under curfew and martial law now. So as the chapter ends, Ray is the one who is on that chopper and he meets Buck and Hyam and sees another guy with them who's also in a robe. Yeah, a Christian music video happens. We're like... You know, he's on the plane, no one else could hear him, and then he gets here and he's like, I think I just saw an angel. Yeah, because no one else can see the guy on the plane, and it turns out that it is Michael the Archangel. Back again! Um, And he's like, I'm Michael, I'm here to restore you. And he puts his hands over Ray's ears, and all of a sudden he's healed, so yeah, it does kind of seem like a... Like a God's Not Dead Newsboys right. music video. And, and, and it's, it's the fact that it's just like the angels taking the form of a dude, I guess. Yeah. So we're into chapter 13. Ray feels reinvigorated. And uh, as everybody's sleeping on the chopper, um, the few that are awake start to get hungry. And so Abdullah just pulls pita bread and sauce out of his bag. As you do. Yeah, like you do. You know, it made me hungry for like pita or like, you know, some kind of flatbread and some sauces. God. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to cut back on snacking a lot, so I, I can't that. do that, even though I want to. So they are in the chopper procession to Petra. There is a ground vehicle procession as well. And they can look down from the helicopter and see that like GC cops are like chasing these people through the desert in their cars. Eventually their chopper gets cornered by a GC helicopter and they're like, pull over, or whatever you say, <laughs> helicopters. They're told to leave the airspace, and George kind of starts talking back to them a little bit as they're ordered to land, and I just wrote that he kind of does, like, Letterkenny-style word games with them, Mm -hmm. and, uh, like, the back and forth, like, keeping them talking, and they start to eventually get tired of George talking to them, and they start to fire on them. Around that same time, Mac is with, I think, Leah and Hannah, right? He's in the convoy down there. They're riding away from GC cops, 
And it's about a million people, it says. There's, like, people in cars. There's people in planes. There's people in helicopters, transports. That's a lot of people. Yeah. I don't know what a million people all going in the same direction looks like. That is insane. Like, that's a ton of people. And so Ray back in the chopper is like, well, we are about to get shot at. So everybody go ahead and uh, strap yourselves in. And the GC chopper opens up. They feel the bullets go into the craft. They feel them whiz by them, the air displacement, but nobody's hit and the helicopter's fine. It's so fine that actually the bullets went through their helicopter, didn't damage it and shot a helicopter on the other side. God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness. Okay, you've referenced this song multiple times. I am completely unfamiliar with that. What is this song? Okay, it's uh, how I found out about it was through a meme. I think I've heard of this person, Darlene Zeech. Oh, it's like some Hillsong bull. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's this. Oh, it's, yeah, okay. Yeah, you, you get the vibe from yeah, like it's, 15 yeah, seconds. Yeah, like I said, it's like Hillsong United. Yeah, okay. This All worship music is trash. I'm just going to stand on it right now. I used to love the Newsboys until they made a worship album, and it was given to me, I think, on Easter as a present, and I wanted to throw it in the trash. It's, it's bad that the only Christian music I like, the artists are, um, uh, are high when, while they're making the music. The Salters, they're like a bunch of, uh, they're a bunch of like communists who just have a van that go like, um, uh, like, yeah, they're Christian communists who have like a van and go on like tours and they get really baked and perform their washboard music in front of like 10 people. That's really on brand for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See, you missed the era of like good Christian alternative. Like you missed Skillet and Reliant K and like Switchfoot. (laughs) <laughs> I got a little bit of it, but like, I guess like around the time, like I I'm saying like, good grading on a curve. Yeah. But like they had some, I'll listen to some skillet here and there, you yeah, know, skillet's all right. Like, I, I think one of the ones that I got into that wasn't that looking back, I'm like, it's like Toby Mac was one of my big ones. He's not the worst. No, he's not. No, he's, he's all right. He got, he got, he got, he got some bars, I guess. Yeah. He's, he's okay. I mean, he's, he's more of a preacher, I think now than, than an artist. Really? But yeah. The whole DC talk crew kind of went their separate ways. So back to the story. Other GC chopper goes down being shot by their own guys. And Michael comes in again to do the, Oh, ye of little faith. Why do you doubt kind of thing? So back to Mac and the girls on the ground. Um, he sees flashing lights and starts playing uh, playing car chase with the GC behind them. And Hannah is freaking out because, understandably, she's, like, in bad shape because of what happened to David. And Mac basically gives her an everybody's got dead people, pull yourself together. Yeah, she did. I even, like, I was even like, yeah, she's a rocket raccoon. Yeah, yeah. Pull yourself together. Everybody's got dead people, basically. Like, saying, like, hey, I also lost someone today. We can't focus on that right now. I need you to get your head in the game. So Chang and Zion are coordinating with Ming um, because Zion's going to go live again and probably say the same shit that Hyam's been saying. So Mac calls Ray. He's like, I got people chasing me. Can I shoot him? <laughs> and Ray's like, no. 
even though he just shot two guys. Um, he felt bad about it. He so felt bad about it, so don't do it. Do what I say, not what I do. Yeah, why, so why we're, we get some fun stuff uh, back to the Phoenix, uh, where all of the cabinet is again. Um, and they make a specific point that the two attendants he's listening into are Indian. Oh. And there's automatic translation software, because of course there is. So he can just understand immediately what they're saying, because he has some kind of babble fish thing. He then gets to hear that Viv Ivans has a fondness for ice. Mm. What the f*** is this? I don't know why that detail is in there, and I guess we gotta read the prequels now. So Carpathia um, is heading for a secret meeting with the rest of his cabinet, and he sees Zion's hacked message coming in over GCCNN. So this is like the second time today that his broadcast has been hacked, and Carpathia loses his shit. <laughs> he starts screaming, telling them to cut the broadcast. I feel like we've also seen this before. It's the same thing with Zion's like first message when he delivered his message to the Israelis about Jesus and they wanted to take him off the air. I think they mean it as mirroring. It's like poetry sort of, it rhymes. <laughs> you know, but it's just, he calls for an all out attack and curfew enforcement. Like he's just lashing out. Mm -hmm. Because he is angry, he kills Walter Moon because Walter can't cut the broadcast and isn't doing his job. So Carpathia does it Nikolai style, like uses all the bullets, like in the hands and the feet and the shins and, and all the different places that he shoots them. And then Viv is just sitting there like stirring her cup of ice. She's like, Yes, Nikolai, you should kill them all and start over. And I'm like, what are you doing, Natasha Badnov? Like, what is happening right now? And then Leon tries to, like, console him. I don't remember what he says, but that's where he spins on him and just goes, Shut up, Leon! Let me find this. Let me, let's see. I will pray him. I will pray him off your worship. Um, and then he goes, Shut up, Leon! <laughs> and, he, and it's about that moment. Um, oh, God. Leon keeps talking and he's like, I will kill you if you don't shut up. And at that moment, the water and the ice turn to blood because, uh oh, every single ocean, the freshwater sources are fine, but all the oceans have turned to blood. And that takes us into chapter 14. 14. Okay, we're still, you know what? That, like, finally we're getting some, and even though it's like kind of recycled, we're getting I'm some trying new. to enjoy yeah. myself. So. Yeah. More miracles that should be cooler than they are. Mac is fleeing along with everybody else in the caravan, and a cavern opens up in the earth and swallows all of the GC vehicles. It reminds me of the beginning of Witcher 3 when you're watching Yennefer escape and, like, the ground opens up and eats the soldiers. Right. Yeah, but this version sucks. Yeah. <laughs> And the GC soldiers are like rolling out of their vehicles and barely avoiding the chasm and they're shooting at Mac. But of course, the bullets do nothing. We've talked about the uh, the getting shot at, but your tires are fine. Missionary story that I heard like six times as a kid from different missionaries. So it's the same thing here. And miraculously, the car was fine. So all people who want to shoot at uh, the followers of Jesus are stormtroopers. Yeah, of course. So there's a full-on battle going on in the sky. Air forces are hitting each other. Operation Eagle is completely unharmed. I guess it kind of calls back to the Russian thing. Yeah, the at the Russian very Pearl beginning, Harbor, maybe. Yeah. I, it, if it does, it's being lazy about it. Um, so Carpathia is continuing to lose his sh on Leon, demanding a miracle, which Leon already promised him one and he told him to shut up. But he's like, do a miracle, Leon. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. 
it's just Keystone Cops. And it's around this time that Viv alerts Carpathia that they might have an identity on uh, both Micah and his scarred-faced attendant, hmm. which is Buck and Hyam. Um, they've investigated their fingerprints, and Chang immediately starts trying to lock everything down, but pretty much positive ID on both Buck Williams and Hyam Rosenzweig. Nikolai doesn't believe it. He's like, Micah's I would... assistant is not Cameron Williams. Yeah, he goes, I would know. And clearly you wouldn't. Like, I, are they trying to make him overconfident, I guess, is, is what they're I trying to make him do. It just makes him less interesting. So they also know that the GC has a mole. Because as soon as they went to look for Williams, his data disappeared. So they know they're being listened to, and they know that someone is on the inside. Mm-hmm. So Chang is very sloppy. He's no David. And they put together a sweeping lie detector test <laughs> for all of the GC personnel to try to figure out who the mole is. And it's like, they just toss it off like this is normal. They're like, oh, it reads the FM frequencies in their voice. This is where it, like, I don't think me. this is a thing. Like, okay, like, I got really mad at, I don't know why this was the the final straw for this, but Yeah, you I was texted done. me about this. Yeah, You're like, this like, is super dumb, dude. Like, we've been through some really dumb techno babble stuff, but the frequency in someone's voice to tell if they're lying, I, you know, someone call me out if that's based yeah, on Yeah, any... tell us if that's a thing. I don't think it is that yeah. sounds like deus ex like that's <laughs> dumb so chang immediately starts nuking his computer hard drive and he stores all his vital data on that secret mini disc that david hid in the bowels of the server room or something mm-hmm. we cut back to petra the move is going along smoothly there's hundreds of thousands moving in and they're singing and chanting uh things kind of cooled off because the gc shot itself but we learn that the sea life is dying and ships are sinking it sucks like people are stuck out to sea there's just dead fish everywhere this like must be surreal to, this like, this sounds mood. like Evangelion. This is awful. <laughs> this must like that must be surreal to be out in the middle of too. You're just sailing, all of a sudden the water turns red. The buoyancy isn't the same. Your yeah. ship probably sinks. Like that's horrifying. Yeah. It tastes like blood. <laughs> it tastes like blood. <laughs> Back to Chloe, who we haven't heard from in a while. She realizes that the thing she has been looking at, she's finally able to focus her telescope, and it is a lit window on a ground floor building a few miles away. So her interest is peaked because, again, they're faking the radiation levels in Chicago. No one's supposed to be there. Um, so Chang reports in for work the next day and meets his new supervisor, a tall, bony Mexican. <laughs> Those are the exact words of the book, a tall, bony Mexican. And uh, so they kind of verbally spar back and forth about like, well, hey, you and I are both safe, aren't we? Because we're both loyal, right? Unless you know something I don't. And maybe you can get me out of this lie detector test. But if you can't, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And like they're doing like the double speak and like the you know that I know that you know that I know. I think this is Tim doing a Stalinism dig because a lot of the propaganda from like Tim's time would have been that like, the only way that these giant government bureaucracies operate is by like people having dirt on each other. Mm-hmm. I really think that that's what this is. Right. Um, Cause he's like, yeah, Chang, you're connected, huh? And he's like, well, my dad is, he's like, nah, that means you are, you're going to do me some favors. <laughs> they do this weird thing where he randomly guesses the guy's middle name to like prove how much he knows it makes no sense and is very dumb. So it's a weird diversion kind of getting toward the end of the chapter. Cut back to Chloe. She calls Buck, fills him in on David, and Buck obviously has to take a moment. And he just says, you know, I guess everything's life and death now. 
and they immediately go into arguing because they're arguing over whether Chloe's going to get to go on another mission or if she has to stay home and watch the baby. It's a weird gender role conflict thing. Chloe's having none of it because she was promised this would be Buck's mission. Then she gets the next one. Mm -hmm. And so she decides, you know what? I'm going to go out for a while and see if I can investigate that light. Because there's a light on in Chicago and that's that's odd. It's very odd. (laughs) Even though we've been to like Chicago bars and like seen people, right? With like Leah and stuff like that in like the last couple books. Have we? I think we have. I thought there's just been no one else really in Chicago. No, no. I think we have. Okay. Because remember the time that like Leah was pretending to sleep in the passenger seat and like outside the bar? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, The bombed out bar. I Yeah. I think this is dumb. Like this is a dumb plot point. So as we end the chapter, Buck is watching the procession into Petra, and he watches, quote, beautifully bronzed children. (laughs) It's the skin color stuff. You knew we were going to get some more skin color stuff, dude. Of course, it's not left behind without it. Absolutely. He realizes that he misses Kenny. You just got done arguing with Chloe about how Kenny wasn't your responsibility. Piece of shit. Um, And he sees three dust clouds on the horizon and immediately realizes that it is GC ground forces on their way mm. and then he and ray start to coordinate and prepare for this counterattack. and that's gonna take us out of chapter 14 oh oh my god this book is too long yeah it's for one of the shorter books it feels so long and man i'm glad we're back on the horse and back to recording but god this is rough one more section one more this. section we're and done we and then we move book. on to no we move into the double digits next yeah Armageddon's next, right? Nope, Remnant. Remnant, yes. So, anyway, thanks for coming with us, guys. Thanks for joining us on this episode of I Survived the Rapture. We're moving into part three next time, but for this episode, I'm Shane Bazell. And I'm Gavin Russell. And until next time, don't forget your earplugs. Bye. Okay, that's our show. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Rapture Podcast. I Survived the Rapture is part of the IndieSource Podcast Network. For more great shows and to join the conversation, please visit IndieSource.com and check out the IndieSource Discord. We'll see you there, and thanks for listening. Power, he can tempt you and leave.